chapter 4. Uh, it just so happens that there is indeed another baby born in Bethlehem. And we're going to read about him this morning. So this is the conclusion of our time in Ruth uh, that we've been doing over the Advent season. Uh, and this is uh, God's word for us this morning. It says this. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said to them, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of these sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead and his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belong to Elimelech and all that belong to Kilion and to Malon. Also, Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron, 
Hezron fathered Ram, Ram fathered Amenadab, Amenadab fathered Nashon, Nashon fathered Salmon, Salmon fathered Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. This is God's word for us this morning. Let's pray and ask for his help to understand it. Father, we thank you again that you are a God who has spoken to us, and we thank you for giving us your word. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would help us to understand it, that you would send us your spirit. Uh, Lord, be at work in us and show us Christ. We pray all of these things in his name. Amen. Briefly, I want to summarize where we've been in Ruth. Think about the story that is told here because I think that the book of Ruth is some of the most amazing and compelling storytelling in the entire Bible. The beginning of Ruth opens with a famine in Bethlehem and a family leaves Bethlehem sinfully. The the famine was a judgment on God's people and they, they tried to escape the consequences of the sin of God's people. So they went to Moab. And when they got to Moab, everything went terrible. The husband of the family died. The two sons of Naomi died. And Naomi is left with nothing in Moab. And Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, return to Judah because they've heard, uh, probably from traders, that, that food has come back to Judah, to, to Bethlehem. They can go and there is, again, crops growing and food being produced. And so Naomi and Ruth go back to Judah. They go back to Bethlehem. And when they get there, they are poor. They have nothing. Naomi is bitter and depressed and grieving. She says, don't even call me Naomi. Call me Mara, which means bitter. The Lord has dealt bitterly with me. Ruth goes out to try to gather food for them, and she goes out to glean, which was basically gathering what was left over after the harvest, and she encounters this guy named Boaz, and Boaz, the Bible tells us, is a righteous and worthy man. He is a good man. He is just, and he loves the Lord, and he seeks to do what is right by all who are in his sphere of influence and authority, and he sees Ruth gleaning, and he is generous with her. He welcomes her, he protects her, he sends her home with comically large amounts of grain. And she gets home and Naomi's like, what on earth? Like, where'd you go? She's got so much food after just one day's work. And and Ruth says, I met this guy named Boaz, he was super nice. And Naomi's like, oh my goodness, he's a relative and he's a redeemer. And so Naomi concocts a plan. And the plan is that Ruth is going to get a bath, she's going to get some perfume on, she's going to get some clean clothes, and she's going to go down at the end of the harvest, and she's going to um, try to get with Boaz. It's unclear what's going on. It was uncomfortable for all of us as we looked at this. But But Ruth instead goes to the threshing floor and proposes marriage to Boaz. She says, you are a redeemer. Would you marry me and take me into your house, knowing that that came with Naomi, knowing that he was inheriting a mother-in-law? He, he, and he agrees, but he says, there's one guy who would have a right to marry you before I would. And, and that's where chapter three left off. So we are waiting to see what's going to happen. When we left chapter three, Naomi and Ruth are waiting because Boaz has agreed to marry Ruth. 
But now we are waiting to see what this other Redeemer will do. That's what chapter 4 is about. And so Boaz, the next day, goes down to the city gate. And the city gate was sort of like the town square. It's where all the important business was conducted. And in verses 1 and 6, 1 through 6, what Boaz does is he collects the elders of the town. He says, hey, y'all have a seat here. And then that other redeemer walks by. And Boaz says, hey, you too, have a seat here. Uh, He says, "Uh, sit down here, friend. Turn aside, friend. Sit down. Uh, It's actually funnier in the Hebrew Uh, Because it basically is a nonsense word that ends up getting translated friend here. Uh, It's actually sort of like, hey, Mr. So-and-so, have a seat. Um, It's just an anonymous guy. The guy doesn't even get a name in the Bible. And so uh, Boaz says, uh, listen, would you like to buy Elimelech's field? Elimelech was Naomi's husband. And, And this guy is kind of excited about this. Because he knows that there's no kids in the mix. And so what that would mean is having bought the field, he would get to keep it. Uh, Normally, every 50 years, all of the land would kind of reset to the family boundaries. But if there was no heir to take possession of this field, then he would get to keep it sort of forever. That would become part of his inheritance. So he's thinking like, man, this is a great way to enlarge my economic footprint. And he says to Boaz, yes. I will take it. Then Boaz sets the hook. He says, oh, by the way, uh, the day you buy the field, you also get Ruth. This field comes with Ruth. Mr. So-and-so suddenly is less excited about the prospect. He's like, oh, that's kind of a, a different story. You see, what this would mean is that he would have to take care of Ruth and Naomi. He would inherit a mother-in-law Uh, And any kids that uh, he and uh, Ruth had together would inherit the field. Uh, So he wouldn't even get to keep the field longer. It would be a field in the name of Elimelech and of his sons, Malon and Kilion. And so the Redeemer's like, you know what? That's a lot of work. That's a lot of financial output just to do something that I'm not even going to get to keep. And he says, you know what? I am no longer interested. Boaz, it's all you. Take it. So Boaz does. In verses 7 to 12, Boaz redeems the field and marries Ruth. And to show that this deal has gone forward, this real estate transaction has been completed, they exchange sandals. Um, That was the way they did it in those days. So uh, Boaz takes off one of his sandals, uh, Mr. So-and-so takes off one of his sandals, and they exchange And the idea there is that later on, if there's some sort of dispute about the terms of the contract, or if there's a dispute and saying, hey, this guy stole my field, he can say, hey, no, I've got your your sandal. Uh, And that was the, the way, that was the contract. It was like a deposit on the actual transaction. And all of the elders who are sitting here are witnessing this transaction. This thing is ironclad. Boaz has closed every loophole. This is his transaction, it has gone through, and the elders and those who are sitting there pronounce a blessing on Boaz and a blessing on Ruth. And they say to Boaz, may Ruth be like Leah and Rachel, uh, who were the mothers of Israel. They bore the children that became the 12 tribes of Israel. May nations spring forth from you and Ruth. 
And you even get the, uh, they say also, may, um, may she be to you, uh, uh, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. Uh, and that's a story in the Old Testament about this very same kind of marriage where a man um, married his uh, widow or married a widow to perpetuate offspring in her name. They're, they're saying very clearly this is in that same vein what you're doing. You are bringing offspring to Elimelech's name. May she be like that. In verses 13 to 17, Boaz marries Ruth and it says the Lord gives her conception and she bears a son. And the women, well, it's unclear who these women are except the women of Bethlehem at the time, uh, come to Naomi and they say, Blessed be the Lord. He has not left you without a redeemer. May his name be renowned. He is a restorer of life and a nourisher in your old age. But who is the redeemer? Did you notice that in verse 15? Who the redeemer is? that has not been left, that the Lord has not left Naomi without? It's not Boaz. The redeemer that they are talking about is the child that Ruth has born. Look at verse uh, 15. He shall be, this is the redeemer, he shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. The redeemer that the Lord has given to Naomi is the child that Ruth has given birth to. And in verse 16, Naomi takes this child and lays him on her lap. And the women say, look, a child has been born to Naomi. Remember, this child would be the, the heir of Elimelech's field of all of his property. This child was the continuation of her husband's line. In a real way, this child had been born to her. And so they named the child Obed. And that's when we learn something important about Naomi and Ruth and Obed. Because Obed was the father later of a guy named Jesse, and Jesse was the father of a guy named David. If you know your Bible, David is the king. He is the guy that the story is going to pivot around until we get to Jesus. He is the greatest king in Israel's history, the king in whose line Jesus would later be. We didn't even realize we were reading the prequel to the story of David as we're reading about Ruth. And, and that's why it ends with this genealogy. Normally you start with a genealogy like the Gospels do. This ends with a genealogy because it's saying, look where we are in the story and look what's coming later. It's the lineage that traces from Perez all the way down to Obed, who fathers Jesse, who fathers David. Ruth 4 shows us that a story that began in tragedy and emptiness and bitterness ends in blessing and in hope and in a fullness of joy. So what's the point? What is the point of this story for our lives? One commentator put it this way, and I couldn't improve upon it. He said this, God 
multitasks. God multitasks. This is not just a story about God blessing a widow that seemed to be destitute, of God's goodness towards a woman who was on the margins of society and the way he provided for her. And if it was just that, it would be beautiful and profound and demonstrate for us the heart of God in a lovely way. But by the fact that this story ends in the line of David, that we get a sense of of what is coming, this shows us this, this story is about God blessing his people. God's provision for his people. You see, friends, God is never just doing one thing. And this is why we have to be really careful in our own lives that we don't try to make really simple explanations for what is going on, for what God is doing, because God is never just doing a single thing. We are always caught up in a larger story. Just like Ruth and Naomi and Boaz were caught up in a larger story, we are too. So for instance, friends, in the hardship you experience in this life, God might be preparing you for a wonderful season of blessing to come, just like in the story of Ruth and Naomi. Or God could be preparing you to love And to bear with those who are also experiencing hardship. Or maybe God is teaching you in hardship to find hope in Christ alone and not to cling to worldly goods. Or maybe in hardship God is simply preparing you for an eternal glory too wonderful to even imagine. Or all four of those. God is always doing multiple things. Our individual stories are caught up into his larger story of filling the earth with his glory and restoring this world to what it was made to be. You see, friends, the story of Ruth is but one small chapter in the biggest story of all. You see, Ruth is ultimately a story about a baby who was born in Bethlehem, a restorer of life, a comforter in old age, a child who is a redeemer, the beginning of a kingly line. This morning, on Christmas Day, we are celebrating another baby born in Bethlehem, another baby who is a restorer of life and a comforter in old age, a redeemer. A king in the same line as David, who reigns over every atom in the universe. A baby born to make God's blessing flow, for as the curse is found. Kids, what is that king's name? Jesus, Jehovah. Yeah, we'll take it all. (laughs) Amen. It's Jesus. Ruth is about Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that our lives are always caught up in a bigger story. We thank you that you multitask and that the things we experience individually are part of what you're doing in the world. And Father, help us to see how our lives are part of this broader picture 
how your redemption is being worked out uh, in our lives individually, in our relationships, in our work, uh, in our friendships. Uh, Lord, in all of the things you have given us. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to realize that all of that is ultimately caught up in the story of what Jesus is doing. Help us to see his redemption in our lives and in this world. And Lord, we pray even now as we come to your table uh, that you would be at work here, that you would take this ordinary bread and this ordinary cup and use them for an extraordinary purpose to anchor us more and more in Christ's work on our behalf. And we pray all of these things in his name. Amen.